You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Good morning, good morning. It's, it's a memorable Sunday morning. I hope, uh, hope you're doing well. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box. And I'm a lead pastor in Midtown Church. Love that you've joined us. Usually our sound system works, and, uh, but today it's not, and that's okay. So, uh, but um, if you're visiting with us, hope you, know, uh, hope you feel welcome. Hope you feel uh, in, your, in your time together with us today, feeling encouraged in your walk with uh, Jesus or our exploration of who he is. We love that you're here. Um, we, uh, as they're trying to work on the sound system, we uh, actually knocked out the Wi-Fi as well, which means that we don't have a projector. So things are, things are getting worse, but often they get worse before they get better. So that's kind of where we are right now, and uh, thanks for hanging in there. If, you, um, if, you, if the projector was working, you'd see that we're actually uh, bringing back a sermon series that we uh, did two summers ago that's called The Psalms of Summer. The Psalms of Summer, and we, we think that's rather clever, and so we, we've decided to bring it back. And because there's like tons of Psalms, 150 Psalms, uh, we have plenty more of them to, uh, to teach from. And so we're going to spend the next three weeks talking through uh, three different Psalms, and this kind of serious Psalm of Summer should be, should be a lot of fun. If you don't know, a Psalm is, is an ancient Hebrew like inspired poetry or, or song. Hence, Psalms of Summer, Songs of Summer. And, and uh, so, anyways, we're going to have some fun with that. Today, I'm excited about the, the passage we're going to look at. We're going to be in Psalm 25. If you want to go ahead and go there on your phone or turn there, uh, hopefully later we'll have the words up here on the screen for you to follow along to, but not right now. Um, but so, Psalm 25, and this psalm is, a, 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 we're looking at this one out of all the psalms to, to choose from. I chose this one because it, this psalm deals with or addresses... Uh, how to be, or just the idea of God's guidance, like being guided by God, or like being led and shown God's plan for you, or His will for you. These, these kind of ideas of like how to be guided by God, and I just know that that's something that y'all are interested in. And the reason I know that is because I have the privilege, along with the rest of the elders and staff, to get your prayer requests week after week after week. And every week, without fail, there are prayer requests, multiple prayer requests usually, about people asking for God's guidance. God, will you guide me on whether I should take this job, or if I should apply here, or if I should move here, or if I should declare this major, or if I should say yes to this person, or, you know, I mean, just all kinds of, like, God, will you guide me on how to have this conversation that's with someone that's, you know, things that got crossways. We want to be guided by God. And so, the, but sometimes we're not real sure how that works, or, or we really want guidance, but we're not real sure how to be guided in fact, if you're here uh, today, you're not, you're not a Christian, uh, perhaps you're exploring the faith, um, you are uh, maybe not even sure that there is a God, this might not be a topic you spend a lot of time thinking about, how to be guided by God. But it's, it's worth noting, for Christians, this is something we think a lot about. And um, just to let you, uh, if you're not a Christian, just to let you in on a little bit of a secret, even though we think a lot about it, and we pray for it often, a lot of the times... We lack a lot of confidence. We lack confidence that we're actually being guided by God. And we're not exactly sure how that works. And we can, at times, make a decision. We really hope that we made the decision God was guiding us to. But sometimes we're left thinking, maybe I just made that decision because that's really what I wanted to do. And, like, I don't really know. And it's like, so, like, this is something that's important. And yet, we usually lack a lot of confidence on 
on what it, what it means or how to be guided by God. And so we're going to look at this psalm today, see how that addresses it. So let me read Psalm 25. I'm going to read verses 1 through 15, and I'm going to read all the way through it just to give you some kind of an overview, and then we'll begin pointing out a few things that it says to us about God's guidance. All right, so Psalm 1, uh, Psalm 25, 1 through 15 says, in you, actually, and pause, notice how many times this, it, the idea of God showing you the way or guiding you shows up in this psalm. It's a major thing. Verse 1, in you, Lord, my God, I put my trust, I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let, me, let my enemies triumph over me. Verse 3 says, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. See that? Guide me in your truth. Teach me, for you are God my Savior. My hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Verse 7, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners. He shows sinners in his ways, guides them in his ways. Verse 9, he guides the humble and what is right, and he teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant for, this, for the sake of your name, Lord. Forgive my iniquity, though it is great. And then key verse here, verse 12, we'll spend a lot of time here today. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. Verse 14, the Lord confides in those who fear him. And he makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will, will release my feet from the snare. Okay. Y'all see the theme? You see, see it show up over and over again? The idea of God guiding you. Here in this psalm, King David, that's the author of this passage, this psalm. He says, okay, God, I want you to show me your ways. Guide me in your truth. Teach me your way. Guide me in what is right. I mean, over and over again, you see it repeated. Now, why, we might ask, is, is David seeking God's guidance? And honestly, we don't, we're not real sure about the historical context that this psalm was written. Most people think it was written later on in David's life. That's why he talks about his, you know, don't remember the sins of my youth, like he's probably older at this point in time. But we don't really know exactly what the situation is where he's seeking God's guidance. But we do know that one of the reasons he writes this psalm is because he understands that God has promised that he can guide us. In fact, he includes that. Uh, promise in verse 12. That's why I said we'll come back to that a, a lots of time in this passage. But if you remember verse 12, I think I have it here. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. And like that's a promise. Those that fear the Lord, he promises he will instruct them in the ways that they should choose. And so David's like, okay, here's why I'm seeking God's guidance because God, he knows which way I should go. He has he has a path, if you will, for me to go on. He knows what I should do, and he will tell me what to do. And like for us, that's often the thing that, guides, that causes us to really want God to guide us. We think, okay, God's all-powerful, and he's all-wise, and he's all-knowing, and he's good, and he knows which I should, what I should do. Then, man, God, will you guide me? Will you tell me which way I should go? You know, it's really interesting in the New Testament— you've got another passage that actually expands on this promise. Think about Ephesians 
In that passage, which I just absolutely love, in that passage it says this. It says, oh, for you are God, I think I have it on here, but it says, for you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance or prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Now, think about this for a second. This is an amazing passage. Because in this verse right here, it tells, tells you, one, that you are God's workmanship. And really, you could also translate, you are God's craftsmanship, or you are God's work of art. Now, the word uh, translated workmanship here is the Greek word poema, which we get our word poem from. It's like this is God saying, you are my masterpiece. You are my work of art. You are my workmanship, which <laughs> just speaks of your value, does it not? I mean, it's such a big deal that you would understand, like, this is how God sees you, or like, this is who you are to God. You're the work of his hand. You're his workmanship. And then the other thing this verse says is that as a result, like, you're, you've been designed by God. Like, think again, your workmanship, like, you're designed both in your personality and your capacity, your Enneagram type, if you're into something like that. Um, you know, your, your abilities, your passions, your likes, your dislikes, like all that designed by God. And in that, he's prepared, as it says, these good works beforehand. And you think, before what? And I think that means like before you were even born. Like he's prepared for you these good works for you to walk in. Like it's just a wild statement. Like God has a plan for your life. And these good works for you to do, like he wants to do through you as you walk with him in that. Like that's, that's awesome. Put all that together and what you have in Psalm 25, verse 12, and Ephesians 2.10 is this idea. Like God has designed you. You're his work of art. He's got a path for you to walk in that's filled with these good deeds, these good works for you to do. And he'll instruct you. That's the promise. And which way you should choose, how you should live, which way you should go. Now, before I move on from this promise and just this understanding that God will guide you, I, I want to try to bring this home a little bit. You see, the other day, uh, well, I just just say recently, uh, my son, Camp, who uh, gave me permission to tell the story and actually requested that I tell it exactly like I'm going to tell it, and uh, you'll understand why in a minute, but... um. My son, Camp, uh, this is the sad part. Um, he, re, he's kind of gone into this pattern where when he messes up, you know, he lashes out on his brother or sister, or he does an accident, like breaks something. Uh, either way, uh, whenever he does something that he feels like was wrong, he'll start beating himself up he'll, uh, verbally. He'll start saying things to himself like, Man, I'm so stupid, I'm just so stupid. I'm just so dumb, I'm just I'm so dumb. And it just breaks my heart, breaks Chris's heart. So, uh, you know, the other day, well, pause. Oh, we do that, don't we? Isn't it so sad that, like, we say things about ourselves to ourselves that we would never dare say to anyone else about them? Like, we say things like, I'm, I'm the, I am the worst mom ever. Or I'm, I'm the worst dad ever. I'm such a failure. I'm such a loser. I'm such an idiot. Like, we, say, we would never say that to, to a friend. We would say that to ourselves about ourselves. My son was doing that. So I took him to dinner. And in that over dinner, we're, we're hanging out. And I bring up this verse, Ephesians 2.10. 
I said, Cam, I want to show you something. I want to show you what God says about you. Because it's very different than what you often say about yourself. So you see, God says you are his workmanship. Like you're his work of art. And like he's prepared in the way that he made you and designed you. Like he, he thought you up in a way that where there's going to be these good deeds, these good works for you to do that he wants to walk in. Like you are, you are, like have a purpose and you are of great value to God. So do you, do you understand, son, that when you say that you're stupid and that you're dumb, you're, you're disagreeing with what God says about you. Because God doesn't say that. He says, hey, you're my work of art. And then to get his attention, and here's why he wanted me to tell the story. Uh, hope it doesn't offend you. He, I said, hey, Camp, it's as if when God made you, he said, man, I did a damn good job when I made Camp Box. And his, yeah. and his eyes got really big. And he said, I'm going to tell mom you said that. I said, <laughs> I said, good, son. I want you to because I want you to repeat that over and over and over again. Because that is self-talk that lines up with reality. That's how God feels about you. You're his work of art. And he did. He told mom, and he told his brother, and he told his sister, and I got in trouble about that one. That was a little bit young to hear that. But um, guys, say the same thing about each one of you. I mean, Ephesians 2.10 says the same thing about each one of you. You are God's workmanship. You're his work of art. And he has a purpose and a plan for you. He's got good deeds. He's prepared beforehand for you to walk in. And so we say, God, will you guide me? Like you, will you instruct me in your ways, knowing that you love me and like I'm valuable to you? Will you instruct me in which way I should go? When we hear all that, I hope that you, you, you respond with this desire. Like, man, yeah, I want, I want to be guided by God. I want, it, I want him to instruct me in which way I should choose. How do I receive that kind of guidance. Well, that's what Psalm 25 really dives into, especially the verses leading up to verse 12. But I got to warn you, that was the really happy part of the message. This part is not going to, it's going to hit us probably a different way, maybe a little frustrating, because the answer that we're given in Psalm 25 about how God will guide us isn't exactly what we would want it to be. Because I think, I think it's probably fair to say, like, if we had our choice of how God would guide us, or how we could receive the guidance from God, we would probably say, I would really like an audible voice. I think that would be helpful. Uh, maybe God's head popping up over the clouds, Monty Python, the Holy Grail style. And if other people could see it too, then I know it's not just me hallucinating. And then God would say, thou shalt take this job, or thou shalt say no to that person when they ask you to, to, to marry you, or that, like that kind of stuff. You're like, I wish I knew that, right? And so, but unfortunately... In Scripture, what we see is that we're not given this, like, secret of how to hear from God in this, like, you know, audible voice or spiritual sense. It's, that's not the emphasis, I should say, in Scripture when it comes to the question, how does God guide us? In fact, the emphasis in Scripture is not on how God guides, but whom God guides. That in Scripture... The focus, if you want to be guided by God, the focus is placed on being the type of person 
that receives God's guidance. Being the type of person whom God confides in. In fact, you see that. I kind of rushed rushed over it, but in verse 12, and then also (laughs) repeated in verse 14, in just case we miss it, God's really, like this passage is super clear about that. Verse 12, who then are those who fear the Lord? Like that's the big question. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them. Who? Those who fear the Lord. He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. And the Lord confides in those, verse 14 says, who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. To who? To those who fear them. This word in verse 14, confides, is really interesting Hebrew word, it's, if I'm pronouncing it right, it's the word uh, soda. And that word um, literally means like a secret counsel or secret instruction. It's like this intimate guidance, intimate instruction from God. He says, like, it's what we really want. Like, God, I need to know what to do. Should I, should I move here? Should I take this job? What should my major be? Like, I want the secret guidance, this intimate counsel from God. God says, yeah, I'll do that for this type of person. Those who fear the Lord, God confides in. God instructs them in which way they should choose. Which then leads to another big question, doesn't it? Which is, well, what does that mean? What what does it look like? What does it mean to be someone who fears the Lord? And those who are familiar with the Bible, especially Old Testament, you know that that phrase, the fear of the Lord, the fear of, a fear of God, like it's a big concept, a major theme. It's repeated over and over again in significant ways in the, in the Bible, especially, again, like I said, in the Old Testament. I think about you know, Proverbs 1, says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 19, the, the fear of the Lord you know, brings life. Like these are kind of, it's a major thing, but the issue is, when it comes to the question, what's that mean? What does it look like to fear the Lord? What's it mean? The, the definition for it is, is a bit squishy, if you will. It's a bit, it's a bit abstract because like, it doesn't directly mean that you are afraid of God. Though it has some tinge of that, like we, you know, like, but you're not really afraid of him like you'd run away from him, but you run towards him, but with this kind of reverence. And all, those are usually kind of words associated when people try to define what it means to fear the Lord. But even that idea, like revering God, living in the awe of God, is still kind of abstract. Which is another reason why I love this psalm. Because what you have in this psalm is you have this big question. Who then are those who fear the Lord? But leading up to that question, you're not given a definition of what it is to fear the Lord. You're actually given a description of someone who fears the Lord. And the description, you can wrap your, your arms around. You can get an idea of, okay, this is what God's Word's talking about. This is the type of person that receives God's guidance. Here, in fact, in this passage, you, you, you put it in kind of three buckets of what, of what it looks like, kind of three characteristics of what it looks like to fear the Lord. The first is this. Okay, you with me? Fear the Lord. What does it mean? What's it, what's it look like? This is the type of person that receives the guidance from God. He, he will instruct them the way you choose. First thing we see, if you go back to verses 4 and 5, someone who fears the Lord is someone who longs to learn the ways of God. Someone who longs to learn the ways of God. Look, if you go, let me just read it for you again. Verse 4 and 5 says this. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in, the, in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. My hope is in you all day long. The, um, uh, 
And I want to point out, trying to make a little bit of a distinction here. Okay, so hopefully you're tracking with me. I know I'm probably giving you a lot of information here. But um, when David writes this in verse 4 and 5, he, he's, he's uh, speaking of a different type of show me your ways than what he's speaking to in verse 12. So in verses 4 and 5, what he's saying, show me your ways or teach me your path, guide me in your truth, he's actually referring specifically to God's revealed word, like the word of God or the law of God for him, the promises of God, uh, which is different than what he's talking about in verse 12 when he says God will instruct them in the ways they should choose. You see, verse 12 is speaking about what people often refer to as the like, planned will of God. The planned will of God, like it's the, the, the stuff that Scripture doesn't speak to directly. Things like, as I've been mentioning this morning, like what job should I take? You know, who should, should I date that person or this person? Or should I live here or live there or, you know, whatever. All these different kind of questions that the Scripture doesn't address completely. Says, That's the planned will of God. Will you, will you direct me, will you instruct me in the ways that I should choose as I live life? But there's this command will of God or this revealed word of God specifically that he's addressing in verse 4 and 5 when he says, okay, will, you, will you show me your ways? Will you guide me in your truth? And that's David saying, here's what I want. Before I start asking you, God, to direct me in which way I should go, I want you to first direct me in your ways. Before I start asking you about my ways, I really want to be saturated in your ways. This is David saying, before I start talking first about, your God, will you guide me in your planned will? I'm saying, will you saturate me? Will you teach me? Will you train me? Will you help me learn your revealed will? And guys, um, that's a, a key characteristic of someone who fears the Lord. And someone who fears the Lord says, okay, God, what you say, I want to know. I, I want to hear from you in all the areas of my life, but I'm going to start with what you've already laid out for me. And I'm going to dive into your word. And I'm going to know it inside and out. I'm going to train myself. I'm going to ask you to train me to learn this, your ways, that you would instruct me and that you would guide me in your truth. So that's the first thing. And point of application would be, um, perhaps if you want to become the type of person which God guides, we would put some value, more value, on learning and going to and being trained in what he's already said. Now, the second characteristic of someone who fears the Lord is closely connected to the first one. Right? The second characteristic is it's someone who obeys the commands of God. Right? So it's not just that I learn them and I'm trained in them, but I actually am going to be obedient in them. Um, the, let me see, uh, verse, let me take you to verse 9. It should kind of show this. This feels like common sense, right? But it's helpful to see it in the passage. He says it this way, verse 9. He guides, talking about God, God guides the humble and what is right and teaches them his way. That all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. And this word humble here in verse 9, it doesn't mean having someone who has a low self-esteem. It's referring to someone who is uh, teachable and obedient. And in 10, when he says, All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who, what, who keep the demands of his covenant. Which is another way of saying who, who obey what God's already said. Are obedient to, to his 
direction. Because that's, that's a characteristic of someone who fears the Lord. God, I want to know what you've said, and I want to put it into practice. Why? Because I know your way is best. And you're God, and I'm not. And so I'm going to come to you in this humility and says, God, I, I need you to teach me. And I want to be obedient to you. I want to do what you have to say. And some of us, and I've been there, but some of us right now are praying for God's direction in regards to a decision you're trying to make. You're, you really want God to guide you in some important area. But you know that you are disobedient in another area of your life where God has clearly spoken and you've choose, chosen to ignore him. And friends, God's attitude, his posture towards you is this. I want, I want to guide you. I really do. I care about you. I love you. You're my workmanship. I've created these good deeds for you to walk in. I love you. I want to guide you, but you need to first obey me in what I've already said. You obey me in here, then, I, then you become the type of person by which I can guide. See, because I guide those who fear me. I will instruct those who fear me in which way they should choose. I will confide in those who fear me. Two characteristics of those that fear the Lord. Two descriptions. Someone who longs to learn the ways of God and someone who obeys the commands of God. Now, like I said, this is part of the message that's no fun. Right? The first part, yay, you're God's workmanship. That's awesome. And God's got this good plan for you and all this stuff. This part is like, ugh. I got to like read the Bible and obey it. Right? But, friends, don't ignore this part. Because this is where it begins. Because God guides those that are the type of people who receive God's guidance. Okay, there's another, another character quality. The third one that's in this passage is this. Um, it's that, uh, and really, let me just say, this character quality of those, someone who fears the Lord is the foundational characteristic that leads to the other two I've already mentioned. For in this passage, what we see is that a person who fears the Lord knows and trusts the character of God. Someone who fears the Lord knows and trusts the character of God. Remember how the psalm began? Verse 1, in you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. And then throughout this psalm, it's sprinkled throughout as all these statements about God's character. Like if you go to verse 6, he says, remember, Lord, your great Mercy and love, for they are from old. Like, God, I know that this is what you're like. This is what you've always been like. I know of your great mercy and your love. Verse 7, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Like, God, this is what I know about you. You're a good God. Verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. No, that's what you're like. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them in his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. This is what I know about you, God. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. You see why I would say that this is the kind of foundational characteristic of, of the others, foundational characteristic of someone who fears the Lord. It's because when you know what God is like, that he's full of mercy 
and love and that he's good and upright in all of his ways and loving and faithful, then you will be moved to trust him. And when you trust him, then you will say, God, will you teach me which way I should go? I long to learn your ways. And whenever he does, you see his revealed ways to live. You say, yes, I'm going to do that. Like you'll say one of my favorite, favorite verses in all of Scripture, Psalm 119.68. We would be able to say along with that, God, you're good. And all you do is good. So teach me your decrees, which means, God, because I know this about you, that you're good. Therefore, all that you do is good. Will you tell me what to do? Will you tell me what to do? I'm not going to receive it as, I can't believe i got to do that. No, it's like, no, this is the best way. This is, this is, these are sign, your commands are signposts pointing to life. Yes, tell me what to do. See, when we trust God, when we know his character, when we know him and we trust him, then we'll be moved to say, well, tell me what to do. And we'll do it. As that's a picture, I think a very helpful description of what it looks like to fear the Lord. When he comes to that question, who then fears the Lord? We'd say, it's this person who longs to learn the ways of God and who obeys the commands of God. And someone who knows and trusts in the character of God. And it's that type of person that God instructs, that God guides, that he confides in. For he confides in the one who fears him. He instructs the ones that fear him in which way they should choose. <sighs> kind of sum it all up with another popular passage, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I mean, it's, it's this. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. He'll, or you could say, he will direct your paths. He'll guide you. Now, before I wrap up, let me, let me address one more topic, okay? That anytime to kind of get teaching on uh, God's guidance or God's will and that kind of stuff, it, it often can spark uh, some curiosity or perhaps worry regarding the question, well, what if I haven't been doing that? What if God hasn't been guiding me? Have I perhaps missed God's will for my life? I don't know if you ever, maybe you're not thinking about that, but now you are. So um, let, me, <laughs> let me just address that real quick, all right? Because, um, you know, we often think about God's will, and especially with this, this imagery in Scripture, the use of this kind of metaphor of this path, and we think, like, well, what if I get off that path? And then what if I get further off that path? And what if I haven't been, you know, you know letting God teach me in his ways and, and I haven't been obeying his commands and I don't trust the character and I haven't for at least a long time in my life and I don't know if I even do right now, but like am I getting further and further off course and now I'm on plan B or C or D or E of God's plan for my life. Like when I'm so off course and we can just start running down a rabbit hill of worry in regards to that. And let me just, let me just tell you, don't do that. Don't do that because if God... <laughs> God's ability to accomplish his ultimate plan for your life was dependent on you perfectly following him. He never would accomplish his perfectly plan for anybody ever. Ever. Even this psalm highlights that because who wrote the psalm? King David. 
and most likely near the end of his life. And that's why in this psalm, repeatedly he's asking God, will you, don't remember my sins of youth, my rebellious ways, or in verse 11, like super strongly he puts it, um, for the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Like not small stuff, not white lies, like big stuff. And those familiar with David's life, you know this, right? You, you remember the story of Bathsheba and the affair that he had with her and then how he had her husband, Uriah, killed, right? I mean, that's, that's great iniquity. I think, yeah, David, I think that's a, that's a fair description of, of that. Um, and yet here David's writing with, with this confidence that God will still direct him, guide him. I mean, how, is that, how can that be? What if I get off course and I'm sin and not listen to him? Can God still accomplish his ultimate plan for your life? Absolutely. And David is in one of the best biblical examples to absolutely help us know that's true. Because even in his most grievous sin, his greatest iniquity, God brought about his best plan ever. If you read Matthew 1, the genealogy leading up to Jesus, what you read in there is in that genealogy is David... And it says, and the wife of Uriah, which is reference to Bathsheba. That Jesus, the Messiah, came from the line of David and Bathsheba. Now, was that plan B? Was the, <laughs> was the Messiah plan B? No, no, absolutely not. God will, will not be thwarted. Josh talked about that the other day. He will and can, and we can't do anything to stop him from accomplishing his ultimate will for your life, his plan in your life. So you don't need to worry about, man, am I on plan B? I can't do all, you know. God's got it. He's not limited by you, okay? So don't worry about that. Instead, give your attention, give your focus to being the type of person who fears the Lord. In fact, God's sovereignty and greatness might be one of the things that helps you <laughs> lean into fearing the Lord and say, God, show me your ways and let me, com- let me obey your commands and let me trust and know you and trust your character. Because um, when we do that, friends, God isn't left to accomplish his good will despite you. But as you lean into him, fearing him, he's able to do that in partnership with you. And when David messed up and he sinned grievously, like it, it wasn't without consequence. Like it hurt him and others for a long time. So let's fear him, obey him, and partner with him, walking in the good deeds he's prepared in advance for us to do, that we would now receive benefit and partnership with him and the good that he wants to accomplish in your life because you're his workmanship. You're his work of art. He's prepared in advance good deeds for you to walk in. And he'll instruct you in them. He'll guide you in them as you fear him. As you learn his ways. As you obey his commands. And as you know him and trust his character. So, let me ask you. Who then are those who fear the Lord? Are you one of them?
Are you one of them? Are you becoming one of them? I would really encourage you this week to take a step in that direction. We're, no one's arrived in this, right? No one's nailed to this perfectly. But let's all take a step. Perhaps right now, this week, you're feeling the sense of, you know what? I, I don't long to learn God's word, his revealed ways. I haven't been learning that. I haven't been listening to him. And so this step, this week, step you could take, open up that Bible or a Bible app and start reading his word. Start spending time with him. Say, God, will you teach me your ways? Will you show me your ways? Will you guide me in your truth? Some of y'all, you might feel like, man, when I do that, I just never get anything out of it. Or I don't know where to start, or I don't know how to read God's word. If that's where you are, one step you, would, you could take, and really encourage you to do it, is to join a huddle. Huddle is a group of three or four people who get together and help each other walk with God. Study God's word and, and understand it and apply it. If you're interested in joining a huddle or finding out more information that, you know, here's my ad. Check the box on the connection card or on the app. We would love to get you connected to help you take that step to become the type of person which God guides. Or perhaps for you, you know that you're living in disobedience to God in an area of your life. And yet you really want God to guide you. But you know that you don't really want him to guide you in that area. Perhaps this week the step you should take is a step towards obedience to God in that area. Or a step towards telling somebody, I'm having a hard time obeying God in this area. I don't know if I trust him in this area. I think my way might be best in this area. I start having that conversation or taking that step of obedience. That's a step towards becoming the type of person which God guides. Or perhaps this week you just need to grow and your confidence or your understanding or your knowledge of God's character, that you can begin to trust him. Perhaps you're not sure that he's trustworthy. That's so good for you to recognize. Don't be afraid to admit that, friends. All of us struggle with that exact same thing. You're not alone. Talk about that with people. Begin to study God's word and talk about other, talk with others, hearing their stories of God's faithfulness, and you will begin to help grow in your knowledge of Him. It'll help you become the type of person that God guides. So, we're going to end uh, this message by taking communion as we do each Sunday, but especially this Sunday, I think given the importance of knowing the character of God. And how that leads to the other things, you know, wanting to learn his ways and, put, and, and obeying them. I think this is the best way we can end this message because communion is the most helpful thing I think we can reflect on to be convinced of God's character. Like, friend, nothing more clearly communicates God's character than the cross. Nothing more clearly communicates God's character than the cross. See, it's... <laughs> It's uh, Romans 5.8. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. When we come to the communion table, we're remembering how Christ's body was broken, his blood was spilled for us. Just such incredible display of God's love and his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness, his uprightness, his justice. And his trustworthiness.
So as we take the communion elements, may God use this to grow our trust in his trustworthiness and his character that we would then say, God, make me someone who fears you. Show me what to do and let me do it. Then I'll know I'm the type of person that you'll guide, that you'll instruct in which way I should choose. Let me pray for you, friends. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would, Lord, you would speak through all this and show us what to do with it. God, will you uh, do what only you can do, and that is open our eyes to who you are and how good you are, Lord, your character, and Lord, that it would then move us to want to you to teach us your ways and be trained in your truth, God, that we would obey it. God, that we would become the type of people who fear you huh, and therefore become the type of people you instruct, you guide along the way. Now, we need your guidance. Your way is best. Would you show us your ways? Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross and how that so clearly communicates your character. Jesus, you died for us. We could not save ourselves. You substituted yourself in our place. You took our sins upon you. You made the way for us to be reconciled to God. Thank you. God, as we remember that now, would you grow our trust in you? Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.